Women in White Coats is here to uplift women doctors just like you. Empowering you in your personal and professional life. I'm Dr. Amber Robbins. And I'm Dr. Archana Shrestha. We are doctors, best-selling authors, and the co-founders of Women in White Coats. Now, are you ready for a culture shift where women empower women? Join us to get a glimpse of what life is like as a woman doc. And guess what? You'll discover that you're not alone. We're here to give you positivity and keys to balancing your life. This is the Women in White Coats podcast. Have you ever felt like you've achieved career success as a doctor, but you're not happy? Like you sacrifice so much to arrive at the promised land, but then you look around and you think, is this it? Maybe you're going through things that your male colleagues just don't get. That even though you wear a white coat, people don't realize you are a doctor at all. It can be exhausting. Well, we get you and we know what you are going through. We just held our 2021 Women in White Coats virtual CME conference, and the women doctors who attended left feeling uplifted and empowered, and as though they had finally found a community of other women doctors who understand exactly what they are going through. Here's what women docs had to say about the experience. What a great conference. I'm still on cloud nine after attending. The unconditional love I found in this community was incredible. I'm taking away so much from this conference. I absolutely loved it. Well, Sister Doc, I want to let you know that if you missed the live conference, don't worry. You can still watch all the replays, earn CME, and experience the magic of our events. Simply go to womeninwhitecoats.com forward slash virtual con, V-I-R-T-U-A-L-C-O-N to learn more. Now back to the podcast. Hi, welcome to the Women in White Coats podcast. I'm Dr. Marian McCrary. I'm a writer's fellow for Women in White Coats and the podcast co-host. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Nicole Lee Plenty. She's a double board certified OBGYN and maternal fetal medicine specialist. She's a blogger, public speaker, and patient advocate. After experiencing a difficult pregnancy herself, she launched Pregnancy Pearls with Dr. Plenty, a video blog and podcast she created to help patients advocate for themselves by providing pre and post conception advice and education regarding complications of pregnancy. And she's also an author in the upcoming Chronicles of Women in White Coats, Volume 3. We're so glad to have you here today to talk about that, Dr. Plenty. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Dr. McCrary. And you know, it's funny when you say, and she's an author, I'm like, that's me. Oh my God, I'm an author. I'm so excited about this, like, new venture we're all taking. Oh, it's um, what, yeah, it's wonderful. Congratulations. And we can't you. wait to read it. Thank so you. You're going you're gonna to give us just a little bit of a sneak peek today um, yes. about some of the things that you're mentioning in, in your part of the book. And so, so many women professionals, particularly doctors, 
find themselves waiting until after they finish their education or they reach certain specific career goals that they've set to think about having children. What are the pros and the cons of waiting to have children a little bit later in your life? Well, um, you know, when we're going through medical school and I, I think the first time I had heard like what the optimal time was to have a child, I was like, what? So I remember sitting in medical school class and they said, well, 24 is the perfect time to have a child. And then after that, after age 24, it sort of goes downhill from there. And I sat and thought to myself, at that time, I was 23, you know, I'd started medical school at 22. Um, I was 23 and I was thinking to myself, wait a minute, I don't have a mate. <laughs> I'm still in the middle of school. You know, how was this supposed to work? And all of my friends were like, wait a minute, like 24, like nobody's ever told us that. Now that I'm in medicine, I know that that's a little bit different. Um, we judge, you know, advanced maternal age based on somebody that's over 35, if you have a singleton. You're having twins that's over 33 if you're having triplets that's over 29 so it just depends on how many babies you have but as a rule of thumb over 35 is going to be when it's a little bit harder um, to get pregnant um it's still not the optimal age you know 34 but um under that age we know that there's a lower risk so waiting to be pregnant uh, waiting to get pregnant it's not a bad thing because a lot of us do because of career that we have um, we want to make sure we're financially established we want to make sure we're married and we have somebody that's worth while to have babies with um so waiting is you know you have the pros of that right you're you're more established your career is developed um you uh have time to spend with your mate um you have time to find a mate and then you have a child um of course the con is one it's harder to get pregnant the older you are the, the harder it is for some of us to get pregnant. And then two, you do have more of a risk of having a baby with some chromosomal abnormalities, um, being that it's about one in 230 um, risk at age 30, 35 and 36 to have a child with Down syndrome. And there's also a one in 300 chance of you having a complication from genetic testing with an amniocentesis. So that's why 35 is the magic line in the sand. That's the closest age to the one in 300 risk of having a baby um, that has issues or a stillbirth due to an am amniocentesis. That's why it's the complication age, okay? Um, you also have a, a, an increased risk, even if you have a, a normal, a chromosomally normal baby of having a baby that may have birth defects, like a heart defect or cleft lip, cleft palate, cleft feet. Um, so, so there are pros and cons to both. Um, I always tell people, you know, you think about age 40, right? So that's when your risk significantly increases um, of having a baby with Down syndrome, having a baby with birth defects, and your fertility decreasing significantly. If you look at that, that's still about a 1% chance, you know? So we think of this like advanced maternal age thing as like doom and gloom when it actually isn't. Um, it's just a matter of making sure we're prepared, making sure we're as healthy as we, we can be um, and making the choices that are best for us and our families. Yeah, yeah. So there's lots of positivity, no oh, matter absolutely. what. Have, having children at a later age, it's, as you said, it's not all negative. There's so many experiences that we've had that have set us up to be better mothers at that time. Absolutely, absolutely. And you mentioned um, preparing. So how, how would you tell women over 35 to prepare for pregnancy? 
So um, I do a lot of preconception consults in my uh, line of profession. And the best thing that people can do is look at their health conditions, um, make sure they're optimized. Okay, so if you have high blood pressure, you don't want to go into your pregnancy having uncontrolled blood pressure with your doctor constantly having to switch up your medicines. You want to be stable on one medicine um, that is compatible with the pregnancy if possible. Um, and you also want to make sure that you're controlled on that one medicine. If we get you off of that medicine by making some lifestyle changes, um, incorporating uh, nutrition and exercise, that's the best thing to make sure you get safely through the pregnancy. If you have diabetes, especially those that have type one diabetes, you really can't help that. You can't help that you, you your pancreas is not working and you still deserve to have children, but you need to make sure that we're not gonna have like a still magnolias moment with uh, when people shouldn't have children because they have underlying renal disease. And then five years later, their child is without a mother. So making sure your health is optimized. If you're on a kidney transplant list, get the kidney transplant first. We've gotten a lot of people through a pregnancy safely after having a transplant versus somebody on a transplant list um, and their kidney function worsening. And then you're at a point where you're not even a candidate for a transplant. Um, making sure your diabetes is controlled. We want your hemoglobin A1C at 6%. I know people are like, well, I thought it was seven. Well, we'll do it seven, but if we can have it at 6%, then we know that your chance of having a baby with a heart defect, which is the most common defect that pregnant women with uh, diabetes can have in their babies, we know that that risk is the same as the general population. So we want that at 6%. And we want you not to be in and out of DKA. We wanna make sure we have a regimen that's controlling you first um, so that we can then um, get you safely through the pregnancy. Sometimes we can't prevent changes in pregnancy and or DKA, but it's much easier to treat when we have somebody that's very well controlled versus somebody that has a hemoglobin A1C of 13%. So um, that is what I suggest. And that is, you know, the, the getting people safely through pregnancy is the whole reason I started Pregnancy Pearls with Dr. Pliny. And uh, via the book launch, people will learn that I'm also going to have an exclusive pregnancy book. I mean, a pregnancy group for women over 35 that are thinking about being pregnant. And that's just to make sure that they're getting one-on-one -on -one preconception counseling from me and other experts um, to weigh their options about having children, whether it's safe or not to have children for them. Um, and, you know, if it's not safe, how can it become safe? How can we get them to a point where, hey, it, now this is the safest time for you to have a child? Oh, that sounds like such a wonderful resource. And I know a lot of people are going to be looking forward to that. And just hearing you say that, you know, optimizing your health puts you in the best circumstance to be able to get pregnant, to sustain that pregnancy, and then to have a healthy life afterwards. So it's, it's a win-win situation for both the mom and the baby in that, in that situation. So there's some women who have been trying and trying to have children, and they've just not been successful on their own. What options do they have um, at this point, and how can you help them? So um, it really depends on the situation. So I would have to, and what I would recommend for anybody that's been trying is, one, you do need a preconception counseled. Um, basically somebody to sit down one-on-one -on -one and say, okay, what? let's talk about every health condition you have. Um, from obesity, because some people aren't ovulating because there's too, most, too much adipose tissue. And we, we think of that as like, I can't believe that my doctor said I'm overweight. We all need to come to the realization that there is healthy weight and there's not so healthy weight. It doesn't mean that you don't look fabulous 
with your weight, but it does mean that if you're not ovulating regularly, losing just as little as 10 pounds will help with that ovulation. Um, we look at all the medical problems that you have, optimize those. Once we've said, hey, we've optimized all these medical problems, there's nothing else you can do. Then we start to say, okay, are you ovulating? So then it is, if you, you have to keep a monthly menstrual calendar, we wanna know how long your cycles are lasting. We wanna know how often you're having sex because if your husband works offshore and he only comes back home once a month, but that once a month is not during the time when you're ovulating, well, that's the problem. <laughs> you need to make sure that you and your mate are in the same location to actually procreate, okay? It doesn't work spontaneously. You are not the Virgin Mary. This is not what happens. So, um, so we do work on timing. And so sometimes it's timing. Sometimes people have been on different birth control periods for so long that they need to be to have ovulation induction. So they need medicines to actually make them ovulate monthly. If you're not ovulating at least every or having a cycle at least every 32 days, that means that if it's longer than that, that means you're not ovulating, you're having anovulatory bleeding. And so we would need to give you medicines to try to um, make sure you're ovulating regularly. And once we do that, then we say, what else have we done? may need some some uh, clomid or letrozole, some type of stimulant to induce ovulation, and that would increase your fertility as well. And then if we've done all those things, then it's, hey, maybe you need to see a fertility specialist. So then the fertility specialist would then talk to them about their options. And they would do testing on, um, once we test the mom, we test the, the male factor because there's about 30% of pregnancies that you just can't get pregnant because of the male factor infertility. So if the male sperm isn't swimming in a linear fashion and it's going in circles when we test it, that means that it can't possibly swim to the egg to fertilize it. So we look at the male factor and if male factor is an issue, we may have to talk about IUI or in, in utero insemination um, or dernal sperm. Um, if even if the male factor infertility is there, some people don't want um, to do IUI. They want to go straight to IVF or in vitro fertilization. And that would be, um, you know, fertilization outside of the body and then implanting that embryo into the uterus um, or doing an embryo transfer. So basically um, through Pregnancy Pearls, we have the group that's over 35. And then we also have a group that's experiencing infertility. So those are two separate groups. Um, we will offer those separate counseling um, to those two separate groups. Obviously pregnant over age 35, you may not have issues with infertility, but we wanna make sure because you're older and you have some risk um, that we're optimizing that and uh, your health and reducing your risk. Um, if you have infertility, that can be at any age. Um, and so that's just people that have tried to get pregnant um, if you're over 35, uh, over six months, you've tried to get pregnant, you haven't been successful and you've done everything you're supposed to do, meaning you had sex every other day while you're in your ovulatory period. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, you have some people that are very young and they've tried for over a year um, and they would be considered infertility. So basically the group would offer support because I want people to be, to see what other people have gone through, to know that they're not alone. A lot of people that suffer, they think that they're alone. And there's a lot of us that, that haven't gotten pregnant or may have issues getting pregnant and they don't know their options. 
Um, I also am um, going to provide help funding um, consults with um, IVF um, specialists for those that may not be able to afford it, um, because I think that it's important for everyone that wants to be a mom to be able to be a mom. Um, and then there are people that can afford it, but they just can't carry a baby. So they may want to hear about surrogacy options um, and other options such as adoptions. So the support group will provide resources to educate people on their options. Yeah, so you're you're talking about in different circumstances creating this team, starting right. with the individual, the mom, and then figuring out who are all the people that can support her moving towards this goal of having a child, Absolutely. whether it's their community or other physicians. We hope you're enjoying this podcast episode. Let's take a quick commercial break. Thank you to our podcast sponsor, Doximity. With more and more healthcare workers quickly looking for new telemedicine options, there is now a new and easy solution. Doximity Dialer Video is the simplest way to perform a video call with a patient. Here's how it works. Using the free Doximity app, enter your patient's phone number and Doximity will send your patient a link to join the call. That's it. Doximity Dialer Video is HIPAA secure and the best thing, your patients don't need to install any other software or apps. Doximity Dialer Video, finally, a simple, secure telemedicine solution for you and your patients. Find out more by downloading the Doximity app or by visiting docs.im, so dox.im forward slash video. That's dox.im forward slash video. All right. Getting back to the podcast. Enjoy. So, so in talking, you know, you you're really emphasizing that there's not an age cutoff to have children. You you're not too old, and that also that you can have a career and be a mom. You've got all these resources, and you personally have have gone through this recently with uh, becoming a mom. Um, in your mid thirties, and how yeah. how does that perspective help you also take care of your patients and be an advocate for other women who've been in similar circumstances? I think you know, as an OBGYN and high risk specialist, you you know what you need to do for your patients, and you empathize with or sympathize with them until you've gone through it yourself, and then you can really empathize. And so for me. Um, you know, you said, you know, oh, you got pregnant in your mid thirties. I'm like, it was, I mean, I had Harrison when I was 37, so, <laughs> so it was late. <laughs> um, but you know, we had a miscarriage before that, you know, everybody thinks they're going to get married. And then all of a sudden you're going to have a, a house with a white picket fence, and then you're going to be able to get pregnant two years later, as soon as you try. And that's not always the case. Um, even me being, I worked out, I, tried to eat healthy for the most part. I mean, I cheated every once in a while, like we all do, but um, I felt like my health was optimized. And then one day I went to the office and went to my um, well woman checkup and I found out I had fibroids and fibroids is something you can't control. 50% of African-American women have fibroids and my mom had fibroids. She had a hysterectomy at 38 and here I am at 36 with fibroids 
not having any children. You know, by the time my mom was 38, we were 10, you know, we were older. She'd had her two kids, had her tubes tied and she had moved on with her life. So it wasn't really a big deal in terms of affecting her fertility. But for me, that was older, that had no kids, it was a big deal. And so um, as a physician, I was like, okay, I know what this means. I know that I may have trouble getting pregnant because I have five fibroids. Um, and I still was like, okay, maybe this is, you know, I was in denial, like this is not happening to me. And so when we got pregnant the first time we were excited, but I knew looking at the ultrasound, it wasn't a normal pregnancy. It wasn't growing. I knew that this was going to be a miscarriage. And my husband was like, well, you need to keep hope alive. And I was like, I'm a realist. Like this is not, this sack is not getting any bigger. The fetal pole, I don't see a heartbeat yet. And a week later, six, seven weeks, you should see a heartbeat on ultrasound. And when I didn't see one, I knew that it was, it was not going to be a viable pregnancy. So then I um, did another ultrasound a couple of days later and it still, you know, the sack hadn't grown. And so at that point I confirmed it. Um, I called a friend of mine, that's my OB who actually delivered my child. But at that time I said, listen, I, I've had a miscarriage. I've had a missed um, abortion is what we call it in the medical field. And I need some side attack. I need some medicine to take care of this. And she said, no, I'm not giving you that because I also had a miscarriage, which I didn't know that she had. Mm -hmm. um, I also had a miscarriage and I bled for two weeks with side attack. So I'm not giving you that. You're going to be miserable. You need a DNC. And I did not want a surgery. I did not want a surgery. And as many DNCs as I've done, as, as safe as I know that they are, as quick as I know that can be done. And at that point, I realized I don't want to be that person that gets a DNC. But I did because I took the advice of my physician and I knew I wanted to go back and be at work. I diagnosed that on a Tuesday. I had my surgery. I worked all week. I had surgery scheduled at 4 p.m. on Friday. I literally walked from my clinic and walked over to the surgery center, met my husband, my sonographer, who I hand chose to be there to guide the surgeon, um, was there. And we did my surgery and I was back at home that evening. And I went to a meeting for an event the next morning. I mean, it was like everything just sort of kept going. And now I realized like that was a big deal. Um, and I think that people need to, and one thing I didn't do is like, just take time to breathe, grieve and realize that it's, it's okay. And it's nothing I could have done. Um, but I knew that the fibroids were the reason that a lot of this was happening. And so we had to have the conversation of, do we get them removed or do we not get them removed? And we had to weigh the risk and benefits. And I, I had a preconception consult, like, like everyone should have. And I decided to leave them alone because at the time I had five of them and there's a high risk when you take fibroids out that you may not be able to put the uterus back together. And I didn't want a chance not being able to have children ever. So I said, if we have another miscarriage, then I'll get the fibroids removed. If we don't, then um, we have a baby, I'll leave them alone. We waited a whole year to try again. And that's because like psychologically, you don't realize there's a lot. And, and at the time I didn't think it was a lot. And it wasn't until literally months and months later that I thought to myself, oh my God, I've had a miscarriage. You know, I've had a miscarriage um, that it dawned on me. And then after that, once we decided it took us a little while to get pregnant. I mean, it took us a little while. We 
we're doing everything we're supposed to be doing. But, you know, I was almost 37 at that time. So I knew that it was going to take a little bit longer. Um, but we did, we got pregnant successfully and I had a lot of complications, but my son is here. And so I say that story to say, everybody's journey is different when it comes to pregnancy. Um, and there's no right time or wrong time to have a baby. It's just like whenever you're ready um, to try is the right time. Um, having been through this, I definitely can empathize with patients. Um, I think that I can be a source of like, this happened to me and I'm still here standing and it's gonna be hard and I'm not immune to having a miscarriage and I'm not immune to the struggle with pregnancy and I want to be here to support you. And I want to make sure that you're not doing the things that I did and like second guess yourself or think there's something going on with you uh, when this is just something that happens to people over 35. And we don't, we're not really told about that when we're doing our careers. Like nobody's telling us about how to be a mom and a career woman. But um, now that I am one, I know that it can be done. Um, looking back, people ask me all the time, like, do you wish you would have had children earlier? I can say that when I was 30, I didn't have fibroids. I had my well woman exam. I didn't have fibroids. I was also a poor starving resident, you know? So, um, for me, I wouldn't change anything that I have done. Um, I think that being an older mom and I say older, but I, I'm still young and fabulous. Okay. Mm -hmm. I an older mom. I'm more grounded. I'm very patient. I can afford resources to help me. Um, I can balance my schedule better. It doesn't, I don't get frazzled easily. Um, I understand that there's only so much I can do in a day. Um, I value time I have with my colleagues. I value my job. I love my job. Um, I don't think that if I would have had children earlier, I probably wouldn't be a subspecialist. Could I have been? Of course I could have, but it would have been that much harder with a child. So I don't regret any decision that I've made. And I want people that are career women and they're over 35 and they're thinking, you know, how am I going to do this? And I have friends that are my age that haven't started having children or not married. And they are wondering if they're going to have children. I want them to understand, like, I empathize with you. I've been there. I've thought those things. I've thought if I don't have children by the time I'm 35 and I having children, and then all of a sudden I'm 36 and I don't have children, you know? So um, I've been there and I think that um, I can definitely empathize with them. And I want to help people that are like me um, have the family and have it all because I think that you can have it all. No one says you can't have it all. You can have it all. You can. <laughs> Thank you so much for um, letting us know that uh, what happened, what you experienced and how you are using that to help other women physicians who are having these uh, you know, internal discussions with themselves about when to have children, um, how's it gonna work, how is it, you know, how's it gonna go, but also being there to help women who are not physicians, who don't have that education and that knowledge to really just, you know, be on the inside of these such important decisions for, for their life and for their families. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing. Of course, of course. How, how can our listeners uh, find these resources that you talked about and find out a little bit more about you? 
Um, absolutely. So um, you can follow me on social media. I am on Instagram at pregnancy underscore pearls. Um, and I'm on Facebook at pregnancy pearls. Um, I also have a YouTube channel called youtube.com forward slash pregnancy pearls with Dr. Plenty, um, where I talk about different issues in pregnancy itself um, and how to prepare for those issues and, and comorbidities. Um, and then I also have pregnancy pearls podcast, um, which talks about everything from how to get pregnant, um, dealing with miscarriage, um, how men cope with miscarriage and how to help your spouse through that, um, things you should look for in the first trimester and things to avoid, um, to financial planning for your children and getting your postpartum bodies back. So we talk about an array of things. I bring a lot of expert guests on um, to talk about topics that frankly have been emailed to me um, through either the Facebook page or Instagram or directly via email. And people can email me at pregnancypearls at gmail.com if they want, if they have a pregnancy topic, um, if they want answers to specific questions, I'm always here um, to uh, help in any way I can. Um, once we do the book launch, I'll also launch the courses or the exclusive memberships. And those will be on our website and I'll give more information about that at that time. Thank you so much. What an array, as you said, of opportunities and resources. I hope our listeners uh, will take advantage of them and share those with their friends. Yes, me too. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. McCurry. It's been fun as usual. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Hi there, Women Docs. We hope you've been loving this podcast and feel uplifted at the end of each and every episode. If so, we would really appreciate it if you could give us a five-star rating and write us a positive review. Those reviews help us get the word out and help uplift and empower more women doctors. But you know what? We'd love to meet up with you in person. So head on over to womeninwhitecoats.com and sign up to become a member of our supportive tribe. When you do, you will be the first to hear about meetups in your area as well as upcoming live events. You'll also get our latest blog articles and podcasts delivered straight to your inbox. And you'll be the first to find out about the next time we open up our virtual Doctors Lounge, an online membership community created just for women doctors, where each month we run masterclasses with guest experts and masterminds on topics relevant to women doctors. While you're on our website, womeninwhitecoats.com, Order your copy of our number one best-selling book, The Chronicles of Women in White Coats. Oh, and be sure to follow us on social media too. On Instagram, you'll find us at Women in White Coats blog. And on Facebook, you can find us at Women in White Coats. Can't wait to meet up soon.